It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey. God gives us some battlefield tactics for those of us who are being attacked by the devil. I know this sounds trite, and I don't know if I've said this before, but I mean this now more than I've ever meant it before. If you're going to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be attacked by the devil. In fact, if you're not getting some kind of grief out there, like if, if hell's not coming against you, you're not doing anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the greatest compliment Satan can give you is attacking you because he's a lot of things, but he's not stupid. He's not going to waste his energy on somebody that he does not consider a threat. That's Chad Harvey. And welcome to today's broadcast of Truth Unfiltered. We're glad you're here. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's Word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring truth unfiltered to you. And now, here's Pastor Chad. We've been going through the book of Revelation, and we're now at Revelation 12, one of my favorite chapters. I love this chapter And I actually have two points today, not two points, two subjects, really. First subject is God's love for the nation of Israel. Beloved, I'm going to tell you something. God has a special place in his heart for Israel. I will not vote for a candidate that does not support Israel. Because I just believe those those who bless Israel, God will bless. Those who curse Israel, God will curse. I really believe that. And, um, you know, if you look in the Bible... God says some harsh things to Israel. You're like, Chad, how can you say he loves Israel? He did and said some pretty harsh things to Israel in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, even Jesus had some harsh things to say. And, and now you're saying that God will bless those who bless Israel, he'll curse those who curse Israel. It was kind of like this. Darla's family is from uh, the mountains of North Carolina. And, uh, you know, in the mountains, families will fight with each other. They'll go to town. They'll get drunk on moonshine, and they'll just start fighting each other. And, but if a Yankee comes down from up north and starts fussing at one of these, you're dead. They're going to slit you from here to here. I can fuss with the family, but you can't. And it's like God says, hey, Israel's my people. I got to work things out with Israel, but you're not allowed to curse them. They're my family. They're my people, okay? So we'll talk about that. And then secondly, I'm going to give you God's battle plan for fighting Satan today. How many of y'all have been under attack by the enemy recently? Raise your hand. Okay, good. I'm not the only unspiritual person that he's been attacking. All right. So I'm going to give you a battle plan for attacking uh, the enemy today. Now, keep in mind, the background is this. Revelation is talking about seven years of tribulation in the future where God's wrath is going to be poured out on planet Earth. And now we're about halfway through the tribulation. And halfway through, God says, hey, let me give you all time out. And let me tell y'all that even though all hell's breaking loose on planet Earth during the tribulation, Israel is still mine and I'm still going to look out for her. Hey, aren't you glad to know that no matter what happens in your life, you, like Israel, are God's chosen person and God says, everything can be falling apart, but I'm still going to take care of you. I'm still there for you. And that's what we see here today. Now, Revelation 12 is hard because half of it is past and half of it's future. And so people get confused reading chapter 12. And so I'll start off with the past. Here's the past stuff. Verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, 
and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now, who is this woman? There are actually four women in the book of Revelation. Number one, there's Jezebel at the church of Thyatira. Y'all remember that? Revelation chapter two, verse 20. That's one woman. Secondly, there's a woman that the Bible calls the harlot or the great whore of Babylon. That's Revelation 17 and 18. We'll talk about that later. There's this woman. And then uh, there's the bride of Christ. Who's that? That's us, the church. And that's in Revelation 19 and Revelation 21. Now, people say, well, this woman obviously is Mary. It's not Mary. I kind of cut to the chase. To understand who this lady is, go back to Genesis, I think it's uh, 37, when Joseph is having his dream, and you do that to interpret this passage. This woman is Israel, okay? The woman is Israel. Verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Who do y'all think that is? That's Satan. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who is ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Who do you think that is? It's Jesus. Jesus came out of the line of, of Israel. And in fact, Rules of the rod of iron, that's used four times in the Bible to describe the rule of the Messiah. So this is Jesus. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. So here's the picture. Israel, the woman, is giving birth to the Messiah, Jesus, and Satan is there, and he wants to kill the baby as soon as the baby is born. It's interesting. All of Jesus' life, Satan tried to kill him, just like it's talking about here. Matthew chapter 2 As soon as Jesus is born, there's a demon-possessed madman named Herod that tries to kill Jesus. Second time Jesus, they tried, uh, um, uh, Satan tries to kill Jesus, I think it's Luke chapter four, is Jesus preaches a sermon. Now look, sometimes when I preach a sermon, I'll get some nasty emails, but I've never had y'all try to take me off the roof of the building and throw me off and kill me, okay? But that's what happens to Jesus. He preaches a sermon, they don't like it, and they try to kill him. Second time, he's tried to be killed. Third, there were two storms on the Sea of Galilee that are not normal storms. These storms are so bad, it frightens seasoned fishermen who've been on that sea all their life. It rattles their cage. That's Satan. And of course, the fourth time is at the cross. Satan uh, thought he'd defeat Jesus by killing him. And so that's what we're seeing here. Now, nobody gets into this, but I do. So let me just share this. Some scholars, and these aren't wacky scholars, these are legitimate scholars like Michael Heiser from the University of Wisconsin, wonder, is John describing something else as well? Is he describing the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus? Because y'all do know this. Y'all know he wasn't born on December 25th. Y'all do know that, right? Okay, I'm not trying to kill Christmas for you, but let's celebrate Christmas. That's not when he was born, okay? When was Jesus born? Well, you can go on uh, some astronomy sites and do these astronomy computer programs. And from what I understand, if I understood correctly, this phenomenon I'm about to describe only happens once every 7,000 years. But in the constellation, this is not astrology. Astrology is predicting the future. We can't do that. This is astronomy, and the Bible does allow us to let the stars declare the glory of the Lord. And so in the constellation Virgo, okay, there was a 90-minute period 
where as the sun was setting, she was clothed in the sun, just like it's talking about here. That's actually an astronomical term, which means the, the sun was in the midsection. Interestingly enough, where the womb of, of the mother would be, the sun was located. At that, that 90-minute period, the moon was rising, so the moon was at her feet, just like it's talking about here. And from Palestine, 12 stars were visible at that moment, in that 90-minute window. And... Um, and the, the constellation uh, Scorpio, which was known by the ancient people as the dragon, was at the feet of the woman as well. All these things that is described right here lined up in a 90-minute period on September 11th, 3 BC, from about uh, 6.15 p.m. until 7.45 p.m. And so a lot of scholars, and I'm not a scholar, but I do believe this, believe that may have been when Jesus Christ was born on September 11th. Which I, that was yesterday, wasn't it? Happy birthday, Jesus. All right, so that may or may not be, but it's interesting. If that's true, September 11th, 3 BC, is also Rosh Hashanah, the head of the new year, which is the day traditionally on which Jewish kings were coronated. It's interesting. All right, verse six. Then the woman, who's the woman? Israel. Fled into the wilderness. Now, this is future, okay? What I've just shared with you has been past. Now, this is future. The woman who's Israel fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. How many years is 1,260 days? It's three and a half years. And so here's what it's saying. In the future, when the seven year of tribulation takes place, the last three and a half years is what we call the great tribulation. And it's during those three and a half years where Israel as a nation is protected somewhere by God. Where does he protect them? We'll tell you that in here in a second. Verse seven. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now, what's he talking about? Again, this is in the future. All right, let me ask him. Where's Satan right now? Don't say he's in hell. He's going to hell one day. He's not in hell right now. Satan, it seems like, kind of bounces from here up to heaven. Do you know more often than not in the Bible? It's going to kind of blow your mind. We see Satan in heaven. Job chapter one Satan is in the throne room of God just accusing Job. It's like a courtroom scene going after Job. Zechariah 4, Satan is back in heaven accusing more people. So it seems like he kind of bounces around all over the place. Now, as if the tribulation couldn't get worse. You know, a couple weeks ago I talked about demons. Y'all remember that coming up? That was this church where I preached that, right? Okay. How demons are going to ravage planet earth. When you don't think it could get any worse, that passage just says, God finally says, you know, Satan, I've had enough of you in your mouth. you out of here. And he throws Satan to planet Earth. And so now Satan, he is not omnipresent. He can't be in a thousand places at once. He is, he is finite. And now Satan comes to planet Earth. And it gets a whole lot worse. And it says in verse 13, 
Now when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. Who's that? Again, it's Israel. Who gave birth to the male child. Now watch this. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. That's another way of saying three and a half years, okay? From the presence of the serpent. So here we go. Satan is unleashed on planet earth and he attacks two groups. First of all, he attacks Christians. He hates Christians. Secondly, he says, I can't get to God, but I can get to that nation that he really loves, Israel. So I'm gonna attack them. And for three and a half years, the Bible says, God takes Israel and he removes them to a special place prepared for them. And it's kind of interesting. Do you see this? It says they, they went there on the wings of an eagle. Did you see that? Now, I got a theory, but I'm not quite sure what, what's going on with that. Here's what I think may happen. We, you may have seen kind of a preview of this a few weeks ago. When that airlift out of Afghanistan, where they took all the refugees to other countries, I think during the tribulation, God is going to say there will be some type of massive airlift. There will be some type of massive refugee project where all the Jews who are in Israel will find a place of safety here in the desert. Well, where is that? Well, right to the east of Israel, there's a nation called Jordan. Jordan is currently on good terms with Israel. And Jordan is the, um, is the location of ancient Edom, ancient Moab. Have you heard of Moab before? Ancient Ammon and Daniel 11, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 16, and Ezekiel 20 seem to indicate that this part of the world will be preserved from the power of the Antichrist. He can't touch that area. So it looks like the Jews are going to leave Israel when the Antichrist begins to persecute them and find a safe haven in in Jordan. Y'all with me on that? And in fact, Jesus alludes to the same thing. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, we call this the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is looking way into the future and he's talking to a bunch of Jews. He's looking to the future and he says, let me give y'all a piece of practical advice. When y'all see the Antichrist rise up in the temple one day, don't go back into the city. He said, flee to the mountains. What, what mountains is he talking about? Probably these mountains, the mountains of Edom that are just east of Israel. And tucked away in these mountains, there's a city that y'all probably saw. You ever seen um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Okay, there's a city tucked away there called the city of Petra. And some scholars believe that Petra will be the home base where all these Jews go during the tribulation. Now again, Pastor, why are you telling us all this? That's, okay, it's fascinating, but I, I want something practical, practical. We all want practical stuff. Well, practical stuff is this. God is, is a God of promises. He's promised Israel, I'm gonna look out for you. Even during the tribulation, I'm still looking out for you. Y'all want something practical? God says, even in the cancer diagnosis, I'm gonna look out for you. Hey, even during bankruptcy, I'm gonna look out for you. Even during unemployment, I'm gonna look out for you. I didn't abandon Israel during the tribulation, I'm not gonna abandon you as well. Isn't that great? Okay. Now, look at chapter 12, verse 11. Look at verse 11. Because tucked away in here, God gives us some battlefield tactics for those of us who are being attacked by the devil. I know this sounds trite, and I don't know if I've said this before, but I mean this now more than I've ever meant it before. If you're going to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be attacked by the devil. In fact, if you're not getting some kind of grief out there, 
Like if, if hell's not coming against you, you're not doing anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the greatest compliment Satan can give you is attacking you because he's a lot of things, but he's not stupid. He's not going to waste his energy on somebody that he does not consider a threat. And to some of you, the greatest, listen, the greatest sign that you're doing something for Jesus Christ is you're being attacked by the enemy. And when you're attacked by the enemy, how do we overcome him? Well, look at verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Now look at that word overcome. Do you see that? That word in Greek, let me tell you what the word in Greek is. A few years ago, some entrepreneurs started a, a tennis shoe company and they said, what do we name this tennis shoe company? And they said, I don't know. Well, why don't we go to the Greek language and find out what is the Greek word for conquer or victory? And they went to the Greek and they found out that the Greek word for overcomer or conquer is Nike. And so they started their, their company, Nike, based on that. And here's what the Bible is saying. You may not know this. You may not feel this. Hey, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. You need to have an overcoming spirit. Beloved, I love you. And people ask me, Chad, are you bothered by what's going on in the world? Yes, I'm bothered. I'm bothered by Afghanistan. I'm bothered by dictatorial edicts. I thought it was my body, my choice. I guess not. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you one thing I'm not. I'm not afraid. I'm going to tell you something that bothers me more than anything else. I'm watching the body of Christ in America. Hey, we're scared as everybody else. I've said this before. What is the most repeated commandment in the Bible? Do you remember? Fear not, fear not, fear not. Somebody has counted it. They said this 365 times, one for every day of the year. Over and over and over again, God says, hey, don't be afraid. He says it 365 times, incidentally, and then he asks you, but why are you still running around panic? Listen to me. You can be upset. You can be bothered. You can be frustrated. I get that, but you don't have the option, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live your life biting your fingernails to the quick, popping antacids, and popping pills to try to get to sleep at night because you're so scared. Well, but pastor, I'm not afraid for myself. I'm afraid for my children. We always have an excuse for violating God's laws, don't we? I'm going to tell you something, beloved. A conquering spirit is antithetical to fear, worry, and anxiety. And a lot of you are, are so upset because you're giving the devil more than his due. Devil's doing this. Devil's doing that. Devil's after my kids. Devil's after my marriage. Devil, 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 devil. Now look. I don't believe in being cavalier and speaking to the devil. Jude warns us against that. But I also don't think we need to sit around sad, sick, and sorry and let the devil bully us. I don't think that's what we're called to do either. That's not having a, an overcoming spirit. In fact, I, uh, I read an author one time, a Christian author. He said, when I was a little kid, he said, I love my grandma. He said, but I hated visiting my grandma. He said, because grandma had this little, uh, you know, this little teeny tiny yippy dog, like a chihuahua or something. He said, when we'd pull up, that dog, he said, I don't know what the dog had against me. When I was a little kid, the dog would target me and just come up, just bark. He said, I was terrified of that dog. And um, he said, I think it really scarred me for life. This, this dog got along with everybody else in the family, but he would always come up and start barking. He said, he terrified me. And he said, when I got to be about nine or 10 years old, he said, I reckon I just had enough. I don't know what had happened. Maybe I had a bad day. But we go to visit grandma. 
We get out of the car, and that little dog comes up. And he said, I'd had enough. And I went, stop. And that dog went, and took off running with his tail between his legs. And he said, after that day, I was never scared of that dog again. Because I realized he can bark a lot, but he's more afraid of me than I am of him. And at some point, when the enemy's coming at you, you're going to have to just stomp your feet and say, greater is he who's in me than he who's in this world. And he runs away with his tail between his legs like a little dog. How do we overcome him? Well, we overcome him, first of all, by the, look at this, blood of the lamb. What does that mean? Verse 10 calls Satan the accuser. In fact, it says this. He's the accuser night and day. It means he never stops accusing you. Some of y'all, yesterday, Satan started playing mind games with you and said, you going to church tomorrow? Yeah. Wait, aren't you the lady that had the abortion a few years ago? Don't you know, if, if you went to that church and they knew that you killed your baby, they'd ask you to leave. Sir, are you going to go to church today? Yeah. Well, wait, aren't you the same guy that did X, Y, and Z, and now you're going to stand there on Sunday morning raising your hands and praising Jesus? Those are the kind of mind games Satan plays with you. Now, I'm going to tell you the most profound principle I think I've ever learned as a pastor. I mean this. Here it is. We're all messed up people. Hey, you're not better than anybody and you're not worse than anybody. We're all pretty much messed up at the same level. In fact, people will tell me this. They'll, they'll say, Chad, I need to share something with you about myself, but you, you won't believe this. This is really going to rock your world when you find out how messed up I am. And I, I say to them, you don't understand the mess I've heard from people. I've heard just about everything. Nothing surprises me anymore. We're all messed up people. And what you need to start doing, and again, I don't believe, don't be cavalier in talking to the devil, but I think maybe at some point we do need to kind of speak against these principles that have come against us. And when he starts saying, you're wicked, you've done this, you've done that, I'm now to the point where I've stopped running away from it, and I say this, you know, Satan, you're right. I'm that bad and actually a whole lot more because you can't read my mind. You don't even know how bad I am. I'm actually a lot worse than even you realize. But praise God, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this world and all my dog, my dog pile of filth was placed on him at the cross. He died in my place. He paid the punishment for my sins and now the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I am forgiven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and incidentally, hey, you're going to hell one day. I'm not, so I'm a little bit better off than you are and that's the kind of stuff I say to him. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. And some of y'all need to hear that. Adrian Rogers told a story of a, uh, back in the rural days of a man walking down a country road and he had a hundred pound sack of corn on his back just trying to walk down that road. And a farmer in a horse-drawn carriage comes by him and he pulls his horse-drawn carriage over and he says, sir, he said, we're going in the same direction. He said, that thing's about to kill you. He said, get up in the wagon, I'll give you the ride. The guy said, boy, you don't know how glad I am to see you. And so he gets in the wagon and they start going down the road, and the man is still carrying, sitting there in that wagon, that 100 pounds of corn. And the farmer said, sir, hey, you can put the corn down now. The man's response was, no, sir, you've been so kind to give me a ride, I'm not gonna ask you to carry my cargo as well. <laughs> and I'm saying to you, Jesus saves you, 
and he looks at you and you're still carrying that guilt and he says, hey, why are you still carrying that mess? Put it down. You are forgiven past, present, and future through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the, look at this, the word of their testimony. Now, what does that mean? All right, now look, we're family. Can I make a confession to you? I've preached this passage probably five times since I've been here at Cross Assembly. And every time I preach that passage, when it gets to this point, the word of their testimony, I'm always kind of confused. I'm not quite sure what that means. And so I think I've preached five different meanings, and they're not heresy, but they're all wrong. And so I'm sorry for all the different ways I've preached that. I think I finally realized what it means, the word of their testimony, because this hit me last week. Word of the testimony, since we're not quite sure in the 21st century what that means, let's go back to the first century when John wrote that. And what would it have meant to John and his audience that read this back then? And here's what word of the testimony would have meant to them. Uh, There's a, a, a scholar out of the University of Birmingham in the UK. Her name is Candida Moss. And she says, all these stories of persecution... The church has really embellished that. It wasn't that bad. They made up a lot of these stories. It wasn't that bad. Now, she's wrong about that, okay? But she is right about this. She said, but when Roman leaders persecuted the early church, it was not a theological issue. In fact, it may not have even been an issue of hatred. It was for the good of society. Have you noticed there's always an excuse for totalitarianism? Isn't that interesting? There's always a good excuse. It's for the good of society. Jesus defined marriage as one man, one woman for life. That's Jesus. Y'all are being pressured right now to deny the words of Jesus Christ. You say you follow Jesus and you're not ashamed of the words of Jesus Christ, but you believe that abortion is okay? You've just denied the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. Celebrating over 20 years as senior pastor of Cross Assembly, Chad Harvey brings the truth unfiltered of God's Word to your daily life. Originally from Salisbury, North Carolina, His passion for reaching the lost, sending out spirit-filled agents to a global mission field, and equipping each member to lead their family in the amazing love and grace found only in Jesus has been the cornerstone of his time and leadership at Cross Assembly. Together with his family and a loving pastoral staff serving all throughout the week, they welcome you with open arms with any need, question, or request for spiritual guidance you face today. More than just a radio Bible teacher, Discover the true blessing of joining God's family right here in the Triangle at one of our two campuses with a third coming this fall. Join us any Sunday for our online worship service at crossassembly.org. That's crossassembly.org. You'll be glad you did.
Dream Center started back in 2014. Since then, it's been amazing to see how we started in more communities. And even through the pandemic, we grew from serving seven communities and ultimately impacting 57 communities over a short time. But watching the impact, it was the local churches that were stepping up. It was people like you that were coming out. You're serving, you're volunteering, and just pouring into the community for the sake of God's kingdom. Looking forward, we want to encourage you to be involved. If you're not familiar with us, go look at our website, RaleighDreamCenter.org. You can see all the places where you can volunteer, you can help package the groceries in our warehouse. You can come serve out in the communities. You can play with kids and hang out. Or if you're in the recovery world and you, you know somebody, maybe you have a family member who's going through it and you want somebody to walk alongside them, keep the Dream Center in mind. Send them along to us. We'd love to, to walk that walk with people uh, because we love people and we believe that's where Christ called us to go. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, uh, we see the great response where Jesus was said, I, I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And just all of these practical ways that the believers are supposed to walk and operate and how it's truly serving Christ in those ways. Thank you for those that volunteer. Thank you for those that give to this ministry. And together we can continue having a long lasting legacy here in the Raleigh area. Always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's truth unfiltered.